Welcome to the Cap Tech Podcast with President Sims. I'm president of Capital Technology University, a small, private, nonprofit, fully accredited university in Laurel, Maryland, focused on building and enhancing careers for industry in the demand areas of our industry. We have been in business since 1927 and focus on STEM or management of STEM degrees at the bachelor's, master's, and doctoral levels. Today we have Mr. Todd Rings, Chief of Global Force Management at Space Force with us. Welcome. Thanks, Dr. Sims. Could you give us a little bit about your background and industry experience? Sure, I joined the Air Force in 1981, went to the Air Force Academy, opened to fly and I got my wish. I flew fighters for 21 years in the Air Force and uh, went from the Air Force to United Airlines and um, then had to transition to other work because I lost my airline job after the attacks on 9-11. And uh, along the way, ended up at Cyber Command doing cyber warfare. That, that's a story, but someone called me up and said, come help us start up Cyber Command. So I went from aviation to the air, I went from Air Force Aviation to the airlines and then ended up at Cyber Command. And what I was doing primarily there was uh, designing and helping execute offensive uh, cyber warfare typically not as the lead effect, but uh, in support of other things like task force uh, in the war on terror or uh, did a couple tours in, in uh, Afghanistan uh, with cyber teams. And so uh, along the way at Cyber Command, I, I showed up with almost no cyber knowledge at all. I, I was in a real aviation challenge or an education challenge. I needed to educate myself in cyber. So I started studying and a friend suggested I get a master's degree. So I did that, got a master's in cybersecurity. And then I, I after that, it occurred that I, I would probably learn faster and learn more if I would uh, get into teaching uh, cybersecurity. And I've been able to get into teaching some cybersecurity. And then CapTech asked me to teach an aviation cybersecurity class. Uh, and I happened to just accidentally have both aviation and cybersecurity going on. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, helped them design the course, taught it a couple of times, and uh, just recently uh, had the really great experience of teaching it to the American Institute for Aero and Astro, and that class was full of PhDs and PhD candidates, and that was a blast, right? So I learned, I've been learning a lot by teaching, and uh, so my day job is at Space Force. I just a month ago left Cyber Command after 12 years. I'm now in the headquarters U.S. Space Force at the Pentagon, helping them start that, uh, and then my my side hustle is teaching cybersecurity courses uh, for CapTech, and uh, that's been a lot of fun. Well, we appreciate you uh, teaching our courses as an adjunct professor. You, you have a lot of industry experience and uh, capital technology. We really hire lots of adjuncts who are currently working in industry because we want that information delivered back to our students at the bachelor's, master's, and doctoral level. And uh, today's podcast. Uh, Mr. Rain's going to talk a lot about aviation cybersecurity. That'll be the focus of the podcast today. So with that thought in mind, tell us the big picture. What is aviation cybersecurity? How is that different than cybersecurity? What does that really mean to the industry? Well, I'd say as cybersecurity goes, it's a lot like just cybersecurity for any industry. Uh, if you were going to do cybersecurity for shipping or even a non-transportation industry, logging, whatever. There are certain basic best practices of cybersecurity that apply to any industry. 
but but then you take that skills or that that ability to do cybersecurity, and you 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 go into aviation. The air transportation industry presents some some challenges in the larger context. Um, cybersecurity would really be a subset of the larger aviation security. Um, cybersecurity uh, can't protect everything, but it might be that if somebody had a target in the industry, that their way in could be through cybersecurity or cyber could be part of the attack plan. So what you've got to do is consider that as a cybersecurity professional, uh, let's say you're working for an aviation company, an airline, uh, a manufacturer, or, or in the government. So cybersecurity can be applied to the aviation industry like any other industry, but you have a larger context of aviation security, transportation security. Uh, aviation is just part of the larger transportation. If you're looking at national security, there's all kinds of transportation modes that could be a target. And as a cybersecurity professional, you could find yourself uh, involved in a much larger affair than just your company or protecting aircraft and, and an airport. Uh, a great example would be the attacks of 9-11. Uh, aircraft were used uh, and buildings were attacked. And that attack was not against United Airlines or American Airlines. That attack was not against the Trade Center. It was against the Pentagon, but it was because it was an attack on the United States. So what's interesting about aviation, and it's one of the unique industries, is that throughout its history, uh, across the world, there have been national airlines in a lot of countries. Now, we've never had a national airline in America, but we've got air, airlines with names like American Airlines and United Airlines. And, and these become uh, almost representative of our country when they fly overseas. That it, it can be that a way to attack the, the U.S., if you're mad at the U.S., you want to attack the U.S., is to go after aviation assets. And we've seen that since the 80s with the Lockerbie Pan Am jet, uh, the 9-11 attacks I talked about. It, it's possible that as a cybersecurity professional working uh, in an aviation company or industry, uh, you can get caught up in a much bigger context. And uh, so really, uh, what is the target? And it, is it a company? Is it the, is it the country? Uh, is it an individual aircraft? Is it a person? Uh, there have been uh, aviation incidents where it was suspected that an aircraft was brought down to get one person. And could that be what you're involved in? Uh, aviation is an interesting problem set for the cybersecurity professional uh, working in that industry. So uh, that's kind of... Uh, you know, the, the larger context of aviation cybersecurity. And it's a fun challenge, right? Uh, it's, it's an industry that's growing in its connectivity uh, in all kinds of ways. Aircraft themselves are becoming flying TCP IP address hives. They're just, there's so many connections now with an aircraft uh, in the air. Uh, airports are an amazing complex collection of businesses and government entities that are are all trying to work together and they, they are creating an attack surface at every airport. That's just unbelievable. So much wireless going on, so many radios, uh, navigational aids that help the aircraft come into the airport. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, target set, just an airport. Then you have uh, airline companies that are very dependent on their IT systems. They have very complex software programs running their scheduling and their maintenance. Uh, they use a lot of uh, real-time wireless communications with aircraft and flight. Uh, 
they they monitor the health of these aircraft through uh, uh, data links uh, talking from the aircraft to the ground. So a lot of attack service there for a cybersecurity professional to worry about. Uh, so and then you've got the 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 U.S. FAA uh, looking at how to cope with the growth of aviation, the explosive growth of drones, right, unmanned systems, how that's making our our airspace system obsolete rapidly. And when you contemplate new ways to deal with the challenge of regulating all that drone traffic at lower altitudes, now you're looking at hyper-connected air traffic systems uh, connected between aircraft, connected between the, the FAA and the aircraft. The old model was an, air, an FAA controller on the ground is talking on a radio to an, a pilot in the aircraft, right? That's mm -hmm. not the model for the future. It's there's just not enough radio talk time for that to work with all the unmanned systems and uh, the explosion of the number of vehicles that are gonna be in the airspace. So now you're talking about highly automated systems, highly connected systems. Wow, talk about a, an attack surface uh, for your nefarious actor. So the aviation cybersecurity professional has an enormous challenge uh, waiting for him. Uh, it's a it's a great industry, I think, for aviation cyber for any cybersecurity person to enter. You could be if you're just good at cybersecurity. The avi aviation industry is a great place to go, and I think up till now we've not really had a great, uh, you know, a great an ugly incident in aviation related to cybersecurity. Uh, you know, I'd say we've been lucky, and it's probably just a matter of time. But if we if we rise to the challenge and we we think ahead and we get proactive, then perhaps we can prevent and not have to be reactive to an incident. Uh, that's the challenge I think that aviation cybersecurity uh, meets in 2021 going into 2022. We are not prepared, I believe, uh, as an industry, the aviation industry is not prepared for the cybersecurity challenges of the near future. There are not enough really qualified cyber uh, security professionals focused on the problem. We're creating uh, attack surface faster than we're creating defenses. We're, we're creating uh, somebody, this is not a term that I, I coined, but I, I like it. The internet of flying things. Uh, we have so many, even just on an aircraft, so many connections, so many things to defend. Uh, aircraft manufacturers are coming up with hyper-connected models like the 787 that are very reliant on software for all kinds of functions that used to be uh, largely run by the, the people on board. So that now you've got an industry exploding in its connectivity, exploding in its need for cybersecurity. Uh, and I don't think that cybersecurity is keeping up with it. Uh, and thankfully, nothing bad's happened yet. But the challenge is to get ahead of that challenge, get ahead of that problem uh, before something ugly occurs. And you know that the, the target might be the US, it might be a company, it might be an individual aircraft, but the precious commodity of the air transportation system that is at risk is not an aircraft or a company. It's the trust of the flying public. After 9-11, tra traffic dropped 20% overnight. It didn't recover for seven or eight years. That's why I'm no longer an airline pilot. Uh, the, the incident was an attack on the US and that was terrible and that had great consequences. And a minor thing that really isn't that big a deal because it doesn't cost you your life is that, that people stop traveling as much. Fear of flying is already a problem with a lot of people. And that just made it uh, so much worse uh, that a lot of people found that they didn't need to, to, to fly. And it 
it really hurt that industry for years. And I don't think uh, even Al-Qaeda was, was trying to do that. Uh, that was just the way the aviation industry is. It's very fragile. And the trust of the flying public, if it's ever lost, takes years to recover. So the, uh, the cybersecurity professional working in aviation has got to keep that larger context in mind. You can't just be a packet inspector. You're defending a whole lot more than your network or, or even, even your aircraft, if, if that's the way you're. So, uh, you know, I completely understand. I was living in Europe when 9-11 occurred and uh, I was at my office and the office down the hallway was a news agency and the first tower went down and they knew I was a U.S. citizen. So they came down and got me to go look at the TV. And while I was watching it, the second tower went down. So, uh, you know, and I, my job was to travel globally from out of Europe. So uh, I did notice, you know, that dramatic decrease in, in anybody flying globally. So it was a, it was a challenging time. And the effects of that attack are still felt in the aviation industry. And I don't believe the aviation industry was at all a target. They were simply using those as vehicles to attack the U.S. Uh, so that really kind of shows an example of how a cybersecurity professional who has chosen the aviation or the air transport industry as their industry uh, has a larger context to keep in mind at all times. Uh, you can get it's kind of like an old Hitchcock movie, uh, you know, North by Northwest. You can get involved in a much larger thing uh, than just your little uh, concern with your company or your 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 site that you're defending your network. Yes. And, you know, here at Capital Tech, uh, about three years ago, I had us create critical infrastructure degrees. And the course content was really developed based on my experience. I used to build refineries. And so um, I wanted to focus on what I thought was really the area of, of, of students understanding what facilities are, are like, how they're run, how they're connected to the industrial and internet of things. But most importantly, understanding the connection between operational technology, which is attackable, and IT, which is trying to protect the data. So in our critical infrastructure class is basically using the, you know, most of the 16 identified sectors of Department of Homeland Security or facilities. So I would relate that to airport facility. There's a lot of, there's a lot of valves, there's a lot of pumps in an airport facility that are run by operational technology, which can be attacked via cyber attack. So, so between the planes and the airport facilities, there's a lot of areas that somebody can focus on if they are, want to be involved. But what I was finding, because again, my background's construction, so I understood the facilities going into it. And so here at Capital Tech, we actually require construction and facility students to take cyber classes and critical infrastructure classes because you can't separate that stuff anymore. Now they're That's building right. smart cities. And, and if you really think about it on the on the general public level, what what do some people have in their house now that talks to you, right? An Alexa device or something, or they may connect the refrigerator or their or their or their HVAC system up to the internet. These become all attackable points. So uh, you know, facilities wise, it just that we're just that attackable as well, and that can be done cheaply from some foreign government. You don't have to physically be here to screw up your wastewater treatment facility. And so, That's right. you know, so there's, so this is a whole, and, and I think, you know, along what you said is, you know, are we really prepared for major aviation cyber attack? Probably not, just like we weren't for the pipeline attack. Uh, but, but the U.S. is so connected 
to the internet of things versus if you go overseas to um, even a country like Russia that still does a lot of analog stuff, you can't attack that, right? So we're very uh, in a precarious situation uh, with all this technology that we use. And, and you know, certainly I don't wanna be on a plane and worry about it myself. Well, that's a great point you make about infrastructure, uh, Dr. Sims. If, if, if I was an attacker and for the last 12 years of Cyber Command, that's what I did. So I, uh, I, if I had a target, let's say I had a target of, uh, well, let me take a step back. What is the universal target of cyber criminals? It's money. It's not airplanes. It's not, you know, it's very seldom an attack on a country. Pretty much what we deal with in cybersecurity uh, across the board is petty thieves trying to make money off of you through cyber attacks. And lately it's been the rise of ransomware that's been such a news item, right? So if I was an attacker and I wanted to make money on the aviation industry, then I would probably look at not the hard target, an aircraft. That's a hard, hard target. The aircraft manufacturers have been very careful to make sure that you really can't hack an aircraft. And uh, it's kind of a, a mythological question in this industry. You know, when is the first aircraft going to get hacked? Can you hack an aircraft? Well, Boeing and some very smart people have been always uh, thinking about this, and it's very hard target, an aircraft. But an airport or an airline company are not. Uh, in many cases, that's the weakest part of the infrastructure. And so if I wanted to make money, uh, well, think of all the targets uh, in the infrastructure and airport. Uh, if you could, like you said, if you could affect the pumps and the fuel and shut down an airport, you can grind the entire U.S. aviation uh, to, a, to a, a halt by shutting down one of these major airports, Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas. I mean, that would just be catastrophic, right? And then the opportunity for ransom appears. If you can, you can create so much damage in the infrastructure of airports that would disrupt the flow of traffic, which is very fragile and has cascading effects across the country, that your ransom would be paid in a New York minute, right? right. Uh, so if I'm an attacker, I'm looking to make money. I, boy, airplanes, that's too hard. You know, messing with airports, the aviation uh, navigational aids that bring air, airplanes into those airports, those are much easier targets than airplanes. And so, yeah, I would look at the infrastructure and it's really a critical infrastructure problem. Uh, if you look at the most likely targets, and I almost hate to bring it up, right? I don't want to inform any bad guys, but it would not be those aircraft. That's a that's a nation state level target. If I was if I was going to work on a project to hack an aircraft, I would need the resources, probably only available to the United States government. But if if I wanted to hack an airport, I could probably take a, a college class from CapTech and we could go get it done. <laughs> uh, it's a much easier target. So uh, it's a great point you make about that. And the other thing. Uh, that is unique about aviation compared to normal infrastructure is how many people touch it, right? So infrastructure that moves, say, petroleum or electricity goes on in the background and doesn't touch a lot of people. But an aviation company pulls in a lot of the personal data from a lot of people. And as we've learned through a number of uh, cybersecurity famous incidents in the last 10 years, that can be very costly, either damaging to the company or it can be a way to extract a ransom. If you can get a hold of a company's very sensitive information that it's collected on, on its customers, 
then you can hold that for ransom because those customers will never come back if their information is revealed. So the aviation industry, think about how many people, what is it, uh, 50,000 flights a day in the U.S., how many people does that represent? How much of their personal information is collected? Is that all, is that all stored very well, encrypted and secure? Boy, I think there's a whole lot of targets there for just petty criminals to make a buck by attacking the air transport industry through cyber. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and I just had a discussion with Joe's, Joe Weiss on um, uh, infrastructure, especially on industrial control systems and how how susceptible they are to attack because the industry has been worried more about IT and networking than bringing, and one thing that he said was bringing in the engineers who understand how the pieces work to work with the networking and IT to build the system that really is enhanced to understand where the cybersecurity attack points can be. And so that, that was one of the things he certainly promoted is that engineers who design this stuff, whatever it is, need to be part of this discussion because they can they can really enhance what we're doing in the protection of, of cybersecurity and how we you know, roll that out with whatever it may be across all these different facilities and industry segments. Yeah, I think the aviation uh, industry in America is a little bit like the power industry. Uh, they've had a reliance on old equipment running on software that is really not easy to support anymore. Uh, uh, ICS that is aged, but it's still working, so they don't replace it. Uh, and engineers that know how to write the code for that and, and handle that are retiring. Uh, Aviation is that way too. Uh, think about GPS uh, was a late 80s, early 90s uh, system. And we've just kind of taken it for granted all these years. Uh, and I, I'd say that uh, we're, we're approaching, we're fast approaching in the aviation industry, uh, a problem like you said, like you pointed out, a shortage of uh, engineers, especially in cyber, uh, that can write the code to keep these things alive. Or conversely, uh, what you see in uh, aviation is that we have an over-reliance on systems that when they were developed, cyber defense was really not a thing. So when GPS was put together, um, nobody really addressed uh, how could it be uh, defeated, spoofed. Uh, those satellites were put up there, you know, it's such a great thing. Uh, we do this all the time in technology, right? We focus on profit or connectivity or new features, and we think about defense the day after. Well, a lot of the navigational systems that we rely on were, were built just like that. They were they were uh, brought in, and then after the first time they were spoofed or attacked, we go, oh, crap, we left a lot of attack surface there. And then it's, it's like running along afterwards and doing treehouse engineering to try to defend those things. So we've got a lot of infrastructure in the aviation industry that's like that. Uh, cybersecurity wasn't uh, baked in, as, you, as they say. Uh, the DevOps uh, way of doing development wasn't a thing when a lot of these systems uh, were brought online. So you've got an industry that's relying on very vulnerable uh, infrastructure. Yes, it's a, and that's a lot of industry segments, unfortunately, but that's our, yeah. our challenge. Well, I, I tell you what, in particular, the GPS system is really vulnerable. And at, at one point, we had all kinds of navigational aids that would uh, allow you to fly into an airport, uh, landing systems that were radio beacons and 
and they could bring you in in bad weather and all. And then GPS came out, right? And so GPS replaced a whole slew of navigational technologies, everything from getting from place to place to landing at your airport, everything became GPS. Well, now if they, if they spoof your GPS, how's anybody going to get in an airport if the weather's bad? I mean, it's, it's become a single point of failure in this industry. I hate to bring it up. I don't want to give the bad guys any good ideas, right. <laughs> but uh, it's an example of the way that we have allowed two things to happen. We rely on old infrastructure that's not well defended, and it has been encouraged to create advances in technology to support aviation as fast as possible, and defense has been an afterthought. Cyber defense has been an afterthought in the aviation industry, and we are not well positioned going into 2022 uh, with the threats that are out there. Think about the number of countries that are mad at the United States right now that might think that the aviation industry could either be a useful target as a surrogate for the U.S. or a useful weapon uh, to make life miserable for us as much as has been done before. It's America's been attacked through aviation many times. And, and you know, you said it earlier, it's it's um, the most visible thing whenever I've been to almost every continent in the, in the, in the world and uh, whenever you're, you are leaving that country uh, that you're, you're visiting and, and you're using it, uh, American airline version, whatever it is, whether it's American yeah. or Northwest, and you step on it, even though you're in a foreign country, you feel like you're actually going on American soil. So, so if, if that's the view from that area, that that really is part of America, those are, those are targets that are right there, you know, that, right. that come to come to you that you can attack. So that is a, a, something to be considered on, on what may or may not happen. How do you protect that? Right. I mean, it's uh, not always the country itself that would necessarily have to be the target to, to get at America. We have a lot of things that are overseas. Many of those that represent our aircraft, uh, the aircraft companies. Uh, and so it's, a, it's like I said at the beginning, it's a larger context that an aviation cybersecurity professional would have to be constantly aware of. Uh, and just think about the, you know, in most cybersecurity scenarios, we say there's a really great need for threat intel. You know, what is out there that might be thinking about you? What do you have that's so valuable that it could be attacked and who would care, right? You, that's kind of typical cybersecurity mindset. Well, that's very complicated for an aviation scenario. Uh, not only do you have data, it's typically data that you're protecting. It's, it's infosec, it's information security. But now also in the aviation industry, you have aircraft that are representative of the United States that you have to protect. And you have a, a, a business, you know, most of the airlines are fragile companies. The profit margin is not great. They're, they're, they're always one foot on a banana peel, another in the grave. Uh, those are targets uh, for disruptions of service, uh, DDoS attacks of, of their, uh, their booking systems or their scheduling systems. Those are fragile uh, situations where now your cybersecurity professional needs to keep in, in his intel problem set a whole lot more uh, angles of attack than maybe just a bank, right? Uh, if you were a bank, you got money to worry about. If you were a, a medical company, you've got individual uh, identifiable information, right? Uh, aviation has all that and these other aspects. So it's a very complex industry 
to drop a cybersecurity professional into. And he's going to have to have uh, a large perspective and really going to need some great threat intel to, to be proactive and not just reactive. Let's, let's go back a little bit to where we started. Um, you're an adjunct professor and our online masters of aviation cybersecurity. And um, just tell the folks that are listening to the podcast, what would somebody who completed that master's degree, uh, what's the point of it for them? What would they gain from that? Why would somebody take that master's degree? Well, I think that master's degree offers the opportunity to do two things. First, in any industry, it's great to find a place where there are challenges. I love to I love to go work where there's a challenge. And that, in my career, I've done a number of startups like Cyber Command. Uh, it was a it was a thing where we were starting something that just didn't exist, and it's a challenge. And and that's satisfying work, right? So that that is true of the aviation cybersecurity problem set. Uh, that's a very challenging, fun problem set to be addressing in your career. It's certainly going to be challenging. Uh, you're going to you're going to be mentally challenged. Uh, you might even get to travel around a lot. But here, add this to it. How fun is it to work in aviation? I mean, we all like airplanes. It's a great industry. It's, a, it's an industry that has had so many uh, people come in and do uh, you know, amazing things, airline startups. Uh, even now, we've got private aviation uh, going into space, right? Uh, so uh, the aviation industry is just a great place to work. I enjoyed my time in it. And cybersecurity is a great challenge. So if you took the aviation cybersecurity masters at CapTech, you'd have a leg up to get a great place, great position, great job in a very challenging, very fun industry. Uh, that's, you know, it's, it's in the airplane world. Uh, to me, that's always been a thing I, since I was a kid, right? Uh, who, hasn't, who hasn't wanted to be a pilot at least five seconds in their life <laughs> and to at least be around that operation? So, you know, you can work cybersecurity for a lot of industries. They, they need them in everything. Critical infrastructure is a huge challenge. Uh, but how fun to do the cybersecurity for the critical infrastructure that supports the air transportation industry. That, that to me sounds like a great time. Uh, I think that's a great career field to go into. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, again, Capital Tech, we offer several cybersecurity, whether it's just a master's in cyber or you can get a bachelor's doctorate. We have the aviation and construction cyber and uh, critical infrastructure degrees. So there's a lot of, I mean, you can't go wrong. As anybody right. who reads knows the market for cybersecurity professionals, there's not enough of them out there. And, and all the training, regardless of a university, wherever you get cyber training, just not enough uh, people who are That's right. it. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes scoff this talk where they always say, we don't have enough STEM graduates. We don't have enough STEM students. You know that's debatable, but within that sub, within that within that uh, set, a subset of that that's definitely short of quality engineers and professionals is cybersecurity. There, there are definitely a shortage. Uh, you you know you could argue if there's a shortage of general STEM graduates, but you you have a tremendous need for cybersecurity professionals in all kinds of industries. I won't name the company, but one of the large uh, data, what do you call them? Data giants, one of the large tech companies. I'm friends with the uh, executives in some of those companies. And they tell me they have jobs in cities where they just can't find anybody qualified 
for the cyber jobs. Uh, and, and they basically, they talked to me about, you know, funnel my students to them, right? Because if you're, if you're at least willing to move to the cities where there are shortages, there's about 25 great cities around the U.S. where you can just get a job right now if you're a qualified cybersecurity uh, professional. Uh, and I got to add to that, uh, that is also true uh, with cloud as a factor. Uh, the, I, the cloud model for delivering IT services uh, is a place where there's a great shortage of cyber security people. I really think in the future, uh, the way that the IT is delivered now across the internet in a cloud model, uh, you're still gonna need security experts, you're gonna need cloud practitioners, and you're gonna need coders. But that's, that's gonna narrow to, I believe, those three mainly. And so there's a great need for those people in, across the board in our, in our uh, US industries. Yeah, you know, since we offer a lot of different degrees, I can tell you from my conversations with employers who see shortages of, of employees, I mean, the construction management, there's shortages, facilities managers, there's shortage, computer science, there's shortage. So it's a national challenge. I mean, cybersecurity is just massive. And, you know, we, we do try here at Capital Tech with the, the cyber master's degrees. If you don't have a background in it, that's okay. We have three leveling classes you can come and take that are necessary. And then you complete your cybersecurity degree. So we're, we're going to help you get what you, what you missed out on because we realize there's just a huge need out there. And, and yeah. we do a lot and we, we want to help transitioning military, get the degrees with the market that they need. And, um, and in cybersecurity world, um, if you have a clearance already, it even is better for you because- Yeah, that's a great point you make, Dr. Sims. People can transition into cybersecurity. Uh, almost none of us started in cyber. Very few of us started in computers, computer science. But the, the growth of the cybersecurity industry means that we need more than just those people that were prescient enough to take uh, computer science way back when. We need a lot more people than that. And I transitioned. I, I couldn't spell cyber in 2009 when I came to Cyber Command. Uh, it's possible to educate. It's possible to, to gain skills that are uh, useful for getting a good industry job. You can transition into cybersecurity, even if you didn't start there. And some of the best uh, cybersecurity professionals, I'm in, I say best, some of the most desired cybersecurity professionals crossed over from other careers. Uh, one, of those, one of those career fields that really transitions well to a high paying job in cyber is law enforcement. If you understand law enforcement and you get cybersecurity and combine that with some forensics or uh, auditing, like a certified auditing uh, certification, now you have a tremendous asset in cyber that commands a great salary. Uh, Cops could be great cybersecurity professionals uh, because they understand uh, gathering of evidence, preserving evidence, uh, forensics, right? That's, that's a great marriage of a skill. So, so law enforcement could transition in cybersecurity. Oh, that's just you one example. What, what at, at a major corporation, when you think of a, of a breach at that corporation, what is the most likelihood of how it was breached? It's your internal employee doing something that wasn't following the procedures. That's the most likelihood internally that somebody's done something, right? Right. So, and then at that moment, 
the most important person at the company is the person with a law enforcement background, a cybersecurity degree, and a certified auditor, because they're going to audit what happened. They're going to do forensics to find out what happened. And suddenly that person is running the show. It's a great, it's just a great example of the fact that you can come from another career field, add cybersecurity to that, and become somebody who has a lot more value than either one of those. It's, it's synergy defined, really. It's, it's not like you had to start out in computers for a cybersecurity career to be in your future. And, and I will say, you know, based on our, our bachelor's degree in cybersecurity, if you're just starting your, your career out, the cybersecurity bachelor's degree is one of those degrees that, that isn't, it's not, it's not pure math and science. It's a, it's a, it's, don't think that it's not an engineering degree. It, it has a breadth of knowledge base that really, if, as long as you're, you have interest, obviously, in computers, you can learn the skill sets to be a good cybersecurity person. So, and and with the demand, uh, it can, it can take you anywhere. Uh, you know, partly, your it can be a choice of of company you work for. Can be the choice even of where you may want to live because the, the the demand is so huge. You can kind of write your own ticket in that regard. And so, uh, it is a great career. Uh, and you don't have to stay in it. I mean, a lot of people start out. With, uh, with you know being more the technical end. And then what you should do is progress into the management end because once you understand the technical and then you can be a good manager, that opens up a multitude of more doors for you to uh, move around in industry and, and help protect companies because you have another skill set that goes beyond the technical. So it, it, it's a career path. It's, I would like to call it really basically, you're building a career that can take care of yourself and your family for your entire life. It's something yeah. that will pay well. Uh, you, if you, and most people enjoy what they're doing in the technical fields like that. Yeah, you make a great point. The uh, cybersecurity degree, or just the just the knowledge of cybersecurity, is really important for management. Uh, this this day and age, it's it's always a conflict between the people in a business that are producing a profit, sales. Uh, say the manufacturers of products and the security guys, right? The security guys are overhead. Uh, it, it's a cost. It's a drag. Without, a, without management, without leadership that understands the challenges of cybersecurity and knows to properly support it, those businesses are at risk. And so what we really need is the C-level officers of the future need to have some cybersecurity training. They need to have uh, the, the, at least the appreciation for the challenge. And it, it would really be great if, if a lot of them would get cybersecurity master's degrees because nobody needs them to be on the line doing cybersecurity. What they need them to do is make sure cybersecurity is properly resourced and supported in an enterprise where almost everybody is going to want the security guys to back down in favor of profits and progress. Very true. I mean, that's has been my experience from working initially in the construction industry is understanding the industry i didn't need to be the architect or the engineer <laughs> designer but as a project manager you can make good decisions because you understood what the processes were generally going on and that's the same thing here we're just we're just saying that it, it you know there's the, the array from being the person who's sitting in front of the computer to the person who's who's high level managing it you understand what's going on and you can make much better decisions and 
we need to do that as a as a country and industry to protect what's coming because everything now is connected to the internet you can't get away from it and i think ransomware is is a key example of what's going to get worse i don't see that getting any better anytime soon but all the industry segments that are behind uh right now that need to be because finance is, is usually the you know the leading in it but we've just talked about many other industry segments that that really need to be enhanced from behind so um i know we're getting close to the end of the podcast so didn't know if you had any closing thoughts before we we go ahead and end. No, I just think you make a great point. There's a there's a there's a a need across many industries for either professionals that can do the cybersecurity work or leaders that understand those challenges. And even even a leader that is not trying to be a, a CISO, right, a, a cybersecurity guy at a C level office level. Um, that person really benefit if, if you're a C-level officer in another area, you benefit from having a master's degree in cybersecurity because we really need leaders that appreciate those challenges. And I, I think there's a great utility for uh, folks that uh, are aiming at another career to still get some cybersecurity education like you offer at CapTech. I agree. And, and, and you know, <laughs> this has been a great conversation. I think uh, Hopefully the podcast listeners will enjoy it as much as we did talking about it. I mean, aviation, as you said before, it's always kind of a fun thing thinking about flying something. And I know there's a lot of, um, uh, we offer unmanned systems here too. So there's a lot of interest in unmanned systems and they're a big part of, you know, can you take one down through cyber attack? Can you keep it up? So there's a whole area in there just within the unmanned systems we didn't even really go into details on. That's right. But uh, yeah, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. This was Mr. Todd Rains. He's the Chief of Global Force Management at Space Force. And uh, thanks for being on the podcast today. You're welcome, Dr. Sims. I enjoyed it. And thanks to the listeners. Remember, this is Capital Technology University. You can visit us here at Laurel, Maryland, or you can find us online at captechu.edu. And uh, once again, thanks for everybody listening today.